Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. When I first heard Eileen Devine describe the children we work with as having an invisible physical disability of the brain that just happens to have challenging behaviors as the symptoms, my mind kind of exploded. It was such a brilliant, succinct, and accurate way to describe the kids and the families that we both support. I'm Robin Goebel, and this is the Parenting After Trauma podcast, where I take the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translate it for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. This is episode 14 with special guest Eileen Devine from Brain First Parenting. If you've followed this podcast since the beginning, you know it's been through some changes even in just 14 short episodes. I started the podcast with the audios from Facebook Lives, but I've begun to shift away from that. I gotta say, I really enjoy recording the audios in my office, sometimes in my PJs and with the roosters crowing and the hens clucking in the background. My intentions remain the same, though, to get you free, accessible support as fast as possible. So the podcast isn't fancy, and I do very little editing. You get to hear all those rooster crows and hens clucking. If you love this episode, add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player and share with your friends and colleagues. Today, I'm so delighted to introduce to you Eileen Devine, social worker, parent coach for kids with brain-based differences. Am, am I getting that right, Eileen? That's a, <laughs> that is a great explanation. The way I describe it is brain-based differences with very challenging behavioral symptoms. Ah, yes. You're good. You're good at that. You're good at clearly articulating things. So Eileen and I have, gosh, met, we met years ago uh, when I came out to Portland and you were in the audience of uh, uh, teaching a workshop I was giving. And then we were both instructors for a postgraduate certificate program for therapists, social workers, professionals who worked with foster and adoptive families. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we've just, despite meeting each other in person, what once? We had, right. yes, we had dinner <laughs> that one day in Portland, um, just been able to get to know each other and create and cultivate this, what feels to me like a really fantastic friendship and also professional relationship as we have such similar ways of working, but then also, you know, some key distinctions and differences. So I'm excited for you to be my first guest. <laughs> And I'm excited to be your guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt really safe to do that. I felt like we could just see what happens and you'd be forgiving and graceful and and we'll be so fun that the audience will be forgiving and graceful too. 
So yeah, tell us more just about what you do. How are you out there supporting families? Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. But before that, I mean, I would just say the same about, um, you know, being able to have our friendship, but also our professional worlds complement each other. And that I hear that from parents too. So I know that it's not just us thinking uh-huh. that, right? That, that parents see um, what they tell me is they see a lot of overlap in the way that we approach kind of supporting them and the way that we see their kiddos. Um, but then there's some distinct differences too that are that are helpful for them to get this full picture. So yeah. it's great. It it's is a great really little little match. I agree. <laughs> I mean, like it's just the same. It feels to me that the same theory and ideas just about humans. Um, yeah. It really drives us. But then we both, of course, have our own really unique area of interest and specialization, and what you know really excites mm-hmm. us and the way that we're connecting, you know, with the families that we support. So, right. Right. Yeah. I have, I, so, I mean, this leads into kind of the work that I do and how I support parents and how I help them kind of shift their perspective on their kids. But um, the way that I view um, these kiddos who are struggling so much is that they have a physical disability of the brain. And, you know, that's where all the neuroscience research kind of supports that. I did not kind of, it absolutely supports that idea that these are brain-based disabilities and that they deserve accommodations because that's what we do with any other child who had a physical disability. Where it gets tricky, of course, is that our brain is invisible to us. Mm -hmm. If we are one of the lucky ones who is what society would consider neurotypical, we don't give much thought at all to how our brain works. Um, And so it doesn't necessarily occur to us that our child's brain might be working differently or or what that means, right? And how they experience the world, how they navigate their world. And that those behaviors are the symptoms of that brain working differently. And so helping the parents shift that perspective of my child would be doing better if they could, something might be get must be getting in their way. Mm -hmm. How does this, um, you know, tie back to their lagging? cognitive skills, their brain working differently. And once I understand that, then I understand, oh, that's why we're seeing this challenging behavior. And then I know what I can do about it. Because that's what a lot of parents, and I know my own parenting experience, it was for a long time, like, there's got to be something I can do (laughs) to help my child. Like, I've tried everything. And what's working for my neurotypical son is not working here. What the heck is going on? Um, And so helping them make those connections so that they feel empowered, they feel confident, they see their child settle over time. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's really wonderful work to be able to do. um, And I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, that piece that you just said is so powerful. And one of my favorite parts of of this work is helping parents reframe what's happening and really see what's actually happening, which is ultimately, of course, really helpful for supporting any kind of needed behavioral change. But there's this other piece that I know you see as well and experience yourself as well, I'm sure, because I do as a parent as well too, is like, now it's not about me doing something wrong, right? As the parents, mm-hmm. it's not, right. you know, like it's, it, it, I don't have to feel shame about it. You know, it can be mm-hmm. a, just this, a, a little bit more neutral. Like there's this thing mm-hmm. and it's happening and it's creating this behavior 
It's not personal. It's not about me now because it doesn't feel so personal to me. I feel a lot more empowered about what, what do I do next? Right. I think that absolutely paired with this new understanding that it's actually not about your child being a bad kid either. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's your, your child is this tender hearted, yeah. sweet child who's working probably harder than any other child around them. And they have things like major, major things that are getting in their way all day long that are invisible and not acknowledged by most people around them. So those two things combined, I mean, that's, that's a really, really powerful shift in perspective to have. The piece that I think gets challenging is um, that's, that's where the steep learning curve starts and parents can really um, buy into that fairly quickly, I find. Um, But then the actual translating that to what you do in your everyday parenting, when you have these behaviors that are still challenging and aggravating and irritating and scary sometimes, and all of that's very stressful. um, How do you stay on this path of seeing your child through that lens? Um, That's, that's where the hard work is, but, um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I know personally, it's, people are absolutely capable of it and the hard work pays off. such a better, better place because of it. That piece that you mentioned just a couple of moments ago is a, one of my favorite things about what you teach. And some, every time I hear you say, it, I was like, oh, I need to remember to incorporate that more into what my work with parents too, which is this reminder at how much harder our kids are working than mm-hmm. p- potentially like their neurotypical peers Mm-hmm. that, and it's so easy to conflate, you know, quote unquote, poor behavior with not trying very hard mm-hmm. <laughs> when right. really like the opposite is true that the, right. you know, barriers and challenges that these kids are facing, you know, just to, you know, transition to their next class at at school or navigate what seems like a really simple peer interaction, but is actually wildly complex. Right. Right. Like how, how hard it is, how much energy it's taking and how hard they are already working. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because taking that idea a step further, I Uh had, um, I read something that, um, I think it was maybe Dr. Ross Green, who's big on this idea of lagging skills too. Um, something he wrote or said once where he said, you know, we shouldn't actually even be rewarding kids who have good behavior. Like they don't deserve the rewards we give them either because they do well because they can, just like our kids who aren't doing well would do well if they could. Absolutely, (laughs) It's all about skills. It's not about character. (laughs) I thought, well, that's interesting. That's an interesting thought too. Right. But it's, it's, it just takes that kind of path of thinking uh, a step further. But yeah, that piece and um, that they're working harder than anyone else. And they have this brain fatigue that, again, yes. we see in behaviors all the time. Um, but the other way that I think about it, like with my daughter, for example, and she has a uh, brain-based difference and very challenging behavioral symptoms at times, I think of her as having a fragile nervous system. Yeah. And that's a really helpful reframe for me in those moments that are really challenging and it's been helpful for other parents too, but it's the same sort of idea that their nervous system is so fragile mm. that any little frustration or something that's off or a change, whatever it might be, can rattle them literally to their core yes. where you then see that behaviorally. Right. right? Yes, and to think about that through that 
um, just like you said, that, that fragility in their nervous system that, that helps us understand a little bit better, like why these, what seem like really tiny stressors, right. Mm -hmm. Just can Mm -hmm. be completely overwhelming or derailing or cause these huge behavioral demonstrations that, that we're often left thinking, whoa, like that doesn't match. Like right. the thing that happened doesn't match what the response was. Um, right. So how helping, I mean, it sounds like helping parents really see that part you've seen be really mm-hmm. impactful for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, it's that kind of perspective on your child, I think combined with, um, and I know this is something you talk a lot about too, but then what is the parent experience and, and why does it matter? I mean, so much of the, I'm sure your experience has been too, like so much of the information in the parenting realm, (laughs) parenting help realm is Mm -hmm. about your child, your child, your child, like try this, try that, try this. Right. Right. And I think, ah, they're missing half of this. (laughs) Like if we, if we don't teach parents to pay attention to what's going on with them them. internally and their nervous system, they are going to, they're, they're, not going to be able to make the progress that they are so capable of, right? It's um, you get stuck much more frequently. So that's the other piece. And I know you talk a lot about that too. Yeah. I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and then I want you to listen to in this specific order, and I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingobel.com slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe, and then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. Yeah. Do you feel like the um, parents that you work with are receptive to that? Like, because it is such a huge shift away from what we're usually focused Mm -hmm. on. And then I'm wondering Mm -hmm. why you think they are receptive to that. You know, what's, I think over time, Uh uh-huh there's buy-in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, so I think the first initial reaction, which I understand intimately yeah. Yeah. is I don't have the time for that. Uh huh. Like, yes. And, and, and I think part of that becomes, I learned a long time ago not to talk about it as self-care because that idea, I think people leap to this kind of pulp popular culture idea of self-care, which is not at all what we're talking about. Um, And so I've learned to talk about it in different ways, like building resilience and nervous system health and stability and feeling grounded in your body that then they start to say, Oh, okay. Like I'm starting to get why that might be important, but um, oftentimes there is a slow coming around to the idea (laughs) that, okay, maybe this actually is worth 50% 50% or more of my energy. Like maybe Eileen is right that right. this is 
more than 50% of the equation. Right. Right. And really that is about um, them being tired already, feeling like they don't have enough time already, feeling like they're not worthy of taking the time to focus intensely on themselves. So I get it. It's not, um, you know, no shame, no blame. I get where that comes from. Yeah. And also I can't stop talking about it because it's so important. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I mean, I do know that that is one place that we're, you know, really have a lot of overlap in our work is that the stressed out, the, the stressed out brain is doing exactly what the stressed out brain is supposed to be doing. So when parents come to us and they're in this, you know, overwhelm and there's, of course they're in a place of like, just give me the skills, tell me what to do to change what's happening in my family, right. right? That makes, of course, because that's exactly what that level of like stress and chaos in the body and the brain and the nervous system is looking for. It's like, I need something for right now. It's an immediate right. need. Um, right. And so that's part of the work that I've really in, enjoyed so much actually is, is really leaning into and meeting parents right there. Um, and then moving into this bigger area, this bigger space of, and how do we also care for your nervous system? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. One of the parents in the group that I was meeting with last night, one of the parents was talking about her like knee jerk visceral reaction to a behavior and feeling, I could tell the way she was talking about it. She was looking back on it like, oh, I didn't do what I was supposed to. I didn't think brain first. I wasn't being as compassionate, empathetic as I should have been, right? I let the emotion get the best of me basically. And I said to her, well, it sounds like you're human. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like that's what it is. Like your body took care of yourself in that moment. Yes. And now you're here reflecting on what could have gone better. That's growth, right? Like that's the first step. And that, and the more you do that, you raise your awareness of where those like visceral knee jerk reactions take place and why, and you know, what's going on with your own nervous system in those moments. And you start to get space between that behavior and your reaction. So that is the process and you didn't get here overnight and it's not going to happen for you as like, you know, turn it itself around overnight, but little by little, if you can tolerate the, that, that process, you know, that it is slower over time, not immediate overnight kind of, you know, rainbows and unicorns, (laughs) then you will, then you'll get there, then you'll get there. So, um, and I think too, that is about, you know, our society and culture, putting these ideas out there that, um, you know, your child has challenging behavior, let's turn it around by tomorrow with these simple steps. And that's just, right. It's just not the way that it works, unfortunately. Absolutely. I mean, when you say unfortunately, I'm like, yeah, it's a real bummer. I sure, I sure do wish it worked that way. And then, and I'll often say to parents too, like, and if it did work that way, you, we, you and I, we wouldn't even be talking to each other because you would have figured that out by now. You totally would have figured, would have figured that out. You wouldn't need to connect with me or talk with me or, or read my work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a longer, a longer game and so, Mm -hmm. so, so worth it. And, and then, you know, our job, and I know you feel the same way as, as professionals, like just to be there and, and provide that, that co-regulation to the parents that ultimately is what we're hoping we provide, can provide to their kids. Yep. 
Yeah. You know, another layer of that that I think you speak to really eloquently in your work, and I try to as best I can, (laughs) is um, giving parents, helping them understand um, how their own attachment figures into all of this and kind of that intergenerational patterning and, you know, that they didn't come into parenthood as blank slates and that there's reasons why they, you know, respond to emotions this way or behaviors or whatever it might be. Um, and so, yeah, that giving them that context, I think is super helpful too. Like it's, um, there are people who came before you and reasons why you react the way that you do. I don't know if you've had, you know, what your experience has been with that information, how powerful it can be, but I feel like it's a biggie too. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I think turning the model as you we're so emphatic about looking at our kids through the lens of, you know, brain first and, and kind of what you talk about. And I tend, I tend to talk about like regulation and connection and felt safety. So we're talking about such similar things, just a little bit different language that eventually mm-hmm. parents can apply that to themselves, that this isn't information that is only about kids, about kids with trauma histories, about kids with brain-based differences. Like this is about humans <laughs> and that, right all behavior is, you know, just a manifestation of what's happening internally and and the the brains behind everything. You know, so we can look at that, you know, and ultimately we all do sometimes behave with our kids in ways that we regret or wish we hadn't. I know I, I do. Um, but when I can turn that same kind of compassionate lens and get really curious about the why back on myself, Right. Then again, there's that space that you talked about, like just a little bit more space, a little longer pause before yep. falling down the, falling down the hole. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it. I call it the behavioral lens pit that we all get stuck in. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I like that behavioral lens pit. <laughs> sometimes we're stuck in for a while, like it's deep and we fall down. And oh, sometimes man. we bring people we down with do. us. <laughs> Yep. Yep. And we all, I mean, I think that's what um, can be so difficult in this very unique parenting experiences. If you get stuck down there, who can help you get out of it? Because so few people understand that perspective, you know? Um, But if you have that community of people, or at least, you know, a person, a few people who understand looking at your child through this different lens, they can help with that. Well, I, and that is such a huge reason why you have created and offered up to the world resilience room. It is the reason. Yes. (laughs) Really. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, so when I started learning this information about my daughter a very long time ago, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes total sense. And this is the way absolutely I want to parent her. It really shifted my perspective on her, um, in like amazing life-changing ways. And also it was really hard (laughs) to stay on that parenting path all on my own. So I was like, where are my people? And I couldn't find them. So fast forward many years, I thought, you know, I need this community of people to know that they're not alone, that there are so many like them trying to parent from this lens. Um, And so, yeah, that's exactly why I created it. So they could continue to deepen their understanding of their child through this lens because it is lifelong. I always say there's no finish line, right? Right. Um, But also to have that community around them where they don't feel so alone. 
There's so much power in showing up somewhere, whether it be like in real life or in a virtual community and just, you know, taking a step into that space and knowing without saying anything, all these people get it. They understand me. They know, you know, my history, even though they don't know my history, right? right? Like this shared nonverbal experience. It's one of my favorite things about going to, um, conferences. Like when we used to go to conferences, yeah. there would be people <laughs> in a room together, lots of them. Yep. Right? And that the energy of that was so alive and palpable and almost like it could, it almost feels kind of tearful. This is way, I mean, I would watch these parents sit down at like the round tables that exist in conferences. Right. And they'd sit down. Yeah. And again, it was just like this nonverbal way of being of like, Hey, we're both here at this conference for, you know, parents of kids with brain-based differences or for parents yeah. of kids who'd experience complex trauma. We're all here. That means yeah. we all get it. And just right. that, that shared, I'm not alone. Right. So yep. to offer that to people on such a regular basis, yeah, like a daily ongoing basis that you can do through resilience room. Is- yeah, it's been pretty amazing. It's, it's, um, you know, I had these pretty, I felt like ambitious goals in terms of what it would provide to other parents in the culture and mm-hmm. how powerful it would be. And I have not been disappointed. <laughs> it's a group of an amazing, it's an amazing group of parents. Um, yeah. And I feel honored to be able to, you know, walk alongside them and also just be in their company, spend time with them each and every month. Yeah. So it sounds like it it rests on these two pieces, like this community where we're here together piece, as well as the like brain first parenting model and this neurobehavioral model that Mm -hmm. you teach parents. Yeah. yeah, I try to give equal weight to both because of just what we were talking about earlier, yep. that both are really important. And so it's really focused on um, the model and, you know, how, like, what does our brain do for us every day and the neuroscience behind that and really getting pretty concrete and clear about then how to apply that to our child because every child's unique, right? Even with the same diagnoses. Um, and then the other piece about turning inward and taking a look at how we're doing and how we can build our resilience hence the name of the group, <laughs> how we can build our resilience every day. And then coming together in community and, and being seen, being heard, hearing each other's stories, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's got a little, little, little of everything. Yeah. <laughs> you and I talk all the time. So this has been as fun as all the times <laughs> that we get to talk. And I love the idea of kind of sharing these moments that we have together with all of these parents, you know, the parents I support, the parents you support and, and the new parents that find us through all the stuff that we're putting out into the world. So thanks for being with me here today. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for trusting me as your first guest. I hope it's everything you hope for. (laughs) I think we did great. I think we did amazing. Tell people though, um, where they can go and find more about you. Where can they learn about you? Yeah, it's really easy. You can just go to my website, which is my name, EileenDevine.com. And there's information there about the Resilience Room and my Brain First Parenting program. And then lots of blog posts for folks to take a look at um, if you're interested in diving a little deeper into this model or anything that you and I have talked about today is covered there. So, yeah. yeah yes, because you have like an introductory 
webinar, right? For the kind of neurobehavioral mm -hmm. model that folks can go grab and watch, right? Yep, I have a free webinar and it provides um, an overview of the model, a brief overview, just to kind of get people's feet wet, let them um, get their mind, allow them to be a little more curious about what it might mean to apply this idea to their child. And so, yeah, I have that and all that's at my website too. Awesome. Well, I'm sure many of you are listening in a place where you cannot write things down or remember all of that. So of course, as always, all of this information will be in the show notes and you can go find all the awesome stuff Eileen is doing and follow Eileen on Facebook and Instagram because I told Eileen yesterday, like, holy smokes, like what you're doing on social media right now is amazing. <laughs> She's just putting out the most amazing little nuggets. That is one of the things that you are, you are so skilled at so many things, but that is such a brilliant skill you have is the ability to like crystallize these things, these big ideas into just a few really powerful words. So everybody oh, needs to follow Eileen on, on social media. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Eileen. I feel pretty confident that now y'all love Eileen just as much as I do. Go see everything she offers because it's amazing. Again, that's EileenDevine.com. And I'll be sure to put that link in the show notes. If you are parenting a child impacted by trauma or supporting families who are caring for kids impacted by trauma, you can find so many free resources over on my website, blog articles, more podcasts, several free video series. I have a video series and free ebook on trauma, memory, and behaviors, and another video series on the concept of the paradigm shifting approach to regulation, connection, and felt safety. Just head over to robingobel.com, poke around, and discover all sorts of different resources. While you're there, you can sign up to be the first to know when the comprehensive online course, Parenting After Trauma, Minding the Heart and Brain, reopens for registration in mid-February 2021. Don't forget to add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player so you'll always have the most recent episode at your fingertips. And of course, share with your friends, colleagues, and anyone and everyone who has a heart for supporting kids impacted by trauma. See you next time. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids but also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. 
Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.